morning. This is a second message in the Advent season. Uh, last Sunday, we were looking at a question, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus take a human birth? And what was the purpose for that? And we looked at uh, six different purposes that we can see uh, in the Bible. Today, we will be looking at, uh, at Jesus as a sign from God. That's what we will be discussing today. Now, uh, we had to follow along. Uh, you know, these days, our, you know, we are so hectic, so I am not, I haven't prepared any notes or anything. So you just follow along on the, uh, on, the power, on the PowerPoint presentations on the screen. All right. Now, when you look at the word sign, the Greek word for sign in the, the New Testament is simeon, simeon. Sounds like a name from the Old Testament, but uh, it's not Simeon, it's Simeon. And that's the word used in the Greek New Testament. And we can see that word 77 times in the Greek New Testament. Out of that, 48 times are in the Gospels. 48 times in the Gospels. And we know Gospels are all about Jesus Christ. So... The idea of presenting Jesus as a sign for mankind is very strong and very common in the, in the Gospels. So definitely Jesus is a sign for us to understand who God is and to believe in God. Now I want to show you four things this morning. My message is a little shorter because uh, we had to share time for different people this morning. So the first thing I want to show you is from uh, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, which is a verse that we looked uh, at uh, again. Uh, I mean, we looked at uh, last Sunday, and I explained to you about the mystery of uh, Emmanuel becoming Jesus, why God would change the name of this promised Messiah at the last minute. Because in the book of Isaiah, he was promised to be Emmanuel, but... When the time came for him to appear on the face of the earth, in Matthew chapter 1, he was presented as Jesus. And I will touch on that verse again. But today, what a, uh, I'm versing by, I mean, Matthew, I meant. Uh, but today, I'm talking about this verse from a different angle, different point of view. Because uh, this name was given, this promise, this prophecy of Emmanuel came as a sign. And you know what was uh, uh, the reason for that? Let me explain it to you. When you look at uh, Isaiah chapter 7, the beginning part of that chapter is historic in nature. It's historic in nature. Because the nation of Judea was going through a tough time. Because we know that by that time, the, the nation of Israel was divided into two. The southern kingdom was known as Judea, and the northern kingdom was called Israel. Or Ephraim, sometimes in the, in the prophecies, the word used is not Israel, mean the, the word used is Ephraim. And in the prophecies, when you see the word Israel, it's talking about the whole nation, all 12 tribes of people, all right? Uh, so when we come to this chapter, Isaiah chapter 7, they are going through a crisis. This is very interesting. When you read the read that what you see is this is a tiny little kingdom of Judea which had only two tribes among Israelites were being attacked by the northern kingdom and the nation of Syria. 
So they combined their forces together and came against this tiny little country. And when this fight came, or when they get, got word that, uh, can you uh, turn off these monitors? It's too loud in my ears. Okay. Uh, when they got word of this attack that's coming, this, uh, 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 this merge of these two bigger armies to come and fight against a tiny little army, you know what the Bible says in uh, the end of second verse, uh, chapter 7 and verse 2, what we read is that, so his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the wood in the wind. In other words, they were shaking, literally shaking. Now, I thought that's a very interesting passage to look at end of December in 2020. Because we have looked at this passage in Christmas seasons past. But at that time, we focused only on the prophecy part of it. Emmanuel, and what does it mean, Emmanuel? And uh, one year, I covered all, went over all the names that we see in the book of Isaiah during Christmas season. But today, what I want to do is make this practical for all of us here, and also for the people who are watching us online. Because... This is this promise came when this tiny little nation did not know how to handle the challenge that was coming against us. As I was putting this message together yesterday, making this PowerPoint yesterday, I, it came to my mind that we are in a similar season in our lives at the end of 2020 because we thought uh, the COVID was gone when things got better. In summer months, we thought, okay, finally we are over it. We had a lot more people attending our service. And, and we thought, okay, finally we're going to get over this thing and this thing will be in our rear view mirror. But then all of a sudden, it started going up again, right? And uh, we know that uh, starting tomorrow, indoor dining is uh, uh, closed down in, this, in, in New York City. And who knows what else is coming. So we are very uncertain about our future right now as we come to the end of 2020. I know many people are struggling to make sense out of it. A lot of families are struggling. Amen. Whether it is with the online education of their children or loss of job, loss of income, etc. And uh, yesterday I was watching the evening news and they said, uh, or so many of the office buildings, which used to charge a lot you know, for business customers, are empty now. And they don't know what to do with all these empty buildings. So now the new government is giving them a proposal to turn these office buildings into apartments so that more people can have affordable you know, apartments in Manhattan. So so much uncertainty in the air. Now, if this king... You know, King Ahaz is the name of the king on the throne at that time. If he was literally shaking in the wind when he heard this bad news of these two nations coming against him, you know, we are almost in a similar plight right now. Because as we come to the end of 2020, you know, we do not know what is going to happen in 2021. I mean, good news of the vaccine is there, but... Still, we don't know. Still, we don't know what is going to happen. Usually, we conclude the year with great expectation, great hope. As your pastor, I'll be sitting down at my, in front of my computer and chucking plans for the coming year and, and trying to program 
come up with programs for the new year. But yesterday I was sitting in front of the computer and, uh, and wondering myself, what is the point of drawing up all these things? What if I, if I cannot do it? What if I cannot go to church? And, and what if the government decides to close down the church again? Then what we do? You know, I mean, so many questions, right? So much uncertainty. In the midst of that, God sent prophet Isaiah to this king and said, I want you to go. The king didn't go to the prophet. The prophet went to the king because of an assignment from heaven. Hallelujah. And that's where I started getting excited yesterday when I was pre preparing this message. Because the king doesn't know how to handle the situation that he finds himself in. The king doesn't know how to handle the immediate future and all the challenges that are coming against him. But, the, but God in heaven saw the shivering heart of that king because he was a godly king. And God decided to send his prophet to the king with the good news. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you read that chapter, you will see that when prophet Isaiah came to the palace of King Ahaz and started giving this promise, I mean the prophecies to the king, initially he linked the prophecy to the land. Because it, was, it, was, it did not start out as a prophecy about Emmanuel. It started out as a prophecy about the land about the nation of Judea. You know why? Because they were so sure they're going to lose this land. They were so sure because they, because they are a tiny little country with just two tribes. And then the northern country of, of, of Ephraim or Israel is coming with 10 tribes and they had a, more than 500,000 people in their army. And on top of that, they have went and joined with Syria, which is one of the mightiest powers in the world at that time. And they were going to come and consume them wipe them out and but when God sent his servant his prophet to the palace of King Ahaz he said no 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 the promise was about the land and 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 God said uh, you guys will be here you guys here will be here. the funny thing is and then God started talking about Emmanuel which is which we know that God with us the word means God with us and what God was telling them was you are going through a season that you don't know how this is going to unfold you don't know what is coming out of this how are you going to come out of this whether you will be in this land or not but don't worry God is with you hallelujah I am your Emmanuel I will be with you amen I know you have a lot of questions this morning but God is an assurance from God amen I want to share with you and that is the promise that God will be with you hallelujah in Isaiah we, again we know that there are wonderful promises of God in the book of Isaiah I did not write down all of that for you but you have read that yourself I know Oh, I know for sure. Because God said, if you walk through the river, amen, hallelujah, that river is not going to drown you. If you walk through the fire, the fire is not going to consume you. Yes, you have a lot of questions in your mind. Yes, you have a lot of, lot of challenges ahead of you. But don't worry, God is with you. Amen. Do you know why the river cannot drown you? Because God is with you. Amen. Do you know why the fire cannot consume you? Because God is with you. If God is with you, it doesn't matter who is coming against you. It doesn't matter what is coming against you. You're going to come out victorious. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a clap offering in this place. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody sitting next to you or turn around. If nobody's sitting next to you, turn around and speak to somebody. God is with you in the midst of your struggles. Come on, say it. Say it. Say it as if you believe it. Amen. Proclaim that over somebody this morning. Proclaim that. Proclaim that over somebody's life this morning. God is with you in the midst of your struggles. God is with you in the midst of your trials. God is with you in the midst of your difficulties. God is with you in the midst of your financial challenges. Hallelujah. Put your hands on your heart and say, Emmanuel is with me. Come on. Come on, come on, put your heart, put your hands on your heart and say, Emmanuel, God is with me. I can face any challenge that is coming against me. I can, it doesn't matter what the enemy will do. As long as God is with me, I will come out victorious. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him in this place. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. But that was really part of the message though. Amen. That was really part of the message. You know, like I shared with you earlier, I have spoken from this passage so many Christmas seasons, but I learned something new yesterday when I was reading this passage again. Always when I read the Bible, I always learn something new. That's why I encourage you guys to read the Bible. Amen. Because Bible is the living word of God. Amen. And it will always speak to you. And you know what I learned yesterday? Because God linked Emmanuel to this land. Are you with me? Are you with me? Amen. Because the prophet, when God sent the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz, and he went into the palace and started prophesying, that prophecy had two parts. The first part was about the land, okay, and the second part was about Emmanuel. And I was wondering, what does one has to do with the other? You know what God was saying? God was linking Emmanuel to this land. Basically, what God was telling King Hares was, don't worry about these guys. Yes, they look so mighty. Amen. They are threatening you guys, threatening to wipe you out. But don't worry. You know, I'm sending my Emmanuel later in history. And when Emmanuel shows up on the face of the earth, you guys will be still in this land. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you thinking with me this morning? Because prophet Isaiah prophesied 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. So God is looking into the future and, and seeing all the challenges that are coming against them. And God is saying, yes, my Emmanuel will come one day, which is going to happen only 600 years later. But it doesn't matter when that happens, you guys will be still in this land. Can you imagine what an assurance a child of God has? Because when you look at the history of the nation, many things happened after this prophecy. Because when this prophecy came, that nation was still in existence. And, and the northern kingdom was still in existence. A few years after, in less than 100 years after this prophecy, the northern kingdom was attacked by Assyria. And they were taken as captives. And then from Assyria... They all got scattered all over the world. And that nation was gone. Amen. That nation never came back into existence. Okay. Now Judea, a few years after that, we know the Babylonians came, attacked Judea, 
and took them into Babylonian captivity. But God did not allow them to be scattered like the northern kingdom. You know why? Because God had given them a promise here in this chapter that when Emmanuel shows up on the face of the earth, they will be in this land. Oh, I wish you could come along with me. Amen. You could get excited like I am this morning. Amen. Because I'm talking about the promises of God. I am talking about a promise keeping God. Amen. A God who can prophesy 600 years into your future and make sure it will happen exactly as he said. If that God is with you, if that God is with you, such a powerful God is with you, such a promise-keeping God is with you, then why should you worry about who is coming against you? Why should you worry about the challenges of COVID season? Why should you worry about the financial turmoil that may come in this country? Because your future is not guaranteed by the stock market. Your future is not guaranteed by Wall Street. Your future is not guaranteed by federal government. Your future is guaranteed by an almighty God who is able to keep his promises. If you believe that, worship the Lord in this place. Come on. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Because after they, after they wiped out the northern kingdom or, or took them out, you know, northern kingdom was not a weak, weak country, okay? Northern part of Israel, because there were ten tribes and a large number of people. It took three years for a Syrian army to finally defeat them. Okay, I have explained all of that in my book. Oh, by the way, I got the copies of my book, okay? So next Sunday we'll have a, we'll prayerfully launch that here, all right? And in one of those, cha one of the chapters in that book, I explain all of that uh, about when I talk about spiritual warfare. Uh, this is what I want to share with you today. The Northern Kingdom, which was called Israel in history in the book of uh, Kings and uh, uh, um, Chronicles, and Ephraim, in the books of prophecy, was a powerful nation because they had a lot of people. They had ten tribes. So even though Assyria was an empire, the Assyrian, it took three years for the Assyrian empire to defeat them. That's how powerful they were. But they were gone. But they were gone because they went away from God. They filled the land with idols and went into idol worship and all the Molech worship and all these things. And God punished them. Okay, that's not our topic this morning. What I want to tell you is that after they wiped out the northern kingdom, they put their eyes upon the southern kingdom. And thought if we can defeat this big nation, this is small fish. We can, we can take over them with, you know, in, with no issue at all. And you can in fact read about that in the book of Isaiah also. And, and they came, and they came, Sennacherib, King Sennacherib came with a mighty army to, to destroy the southern kingdom. And they were saying the same thing to the people of the southern kingdom. We will come, we will take you, and we will take you to a land that you do not know, but it will be as good as your land. Because that was a classic thing that they did. They will take people of one land when they defeat their land uh, or conquer their land, and then they will plant them in another land. You know why? Because you do, not belong, you do not belong to that nation. So you have no ties to that nation. So it's easy to control people that way. So they said, that's what we're going to do. 
we will come and this is what we're going to do. And then they were making fun of the southern nation when the king Hezekiah said, no, I won't do that. I won't yield this nation to you guys, etc., etc. A lot of historical stuff I can share, but I don't have time to do that. Okay, so, but what happened was, and, and, and we can see that a few chapters later, you will see that. I believe it's in 31 or something. Uh, you will read about that. And guess what? God did the same thing as he did in chapter 7. God sent an angel, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the prophet Isaiah to, to first to the king Hezekiah and said, don't worry, we know, I know that you don't have an army to stand against these people, but don't worry, I will send an angel to do the battle for you and he will take care of your issue. And you know the, what happened in history? That night, an angel of God passed through the army camps of uh, King Sennacherib, Assyrian army camp, and killed 85,000 soldiers to take care of his people. Are you with me still? You know, you know, you know why God did that? Because God had promised here in Isaiah chapter 7 that when my Emmanuel come on the face of the earth, you guys will be still in this land. Not because the southern kingdom was any better, because eventually they also plunged into idol worship and immoral things and all kinds of stuff. I don't even want to take time to discuss that. So they were not any better than the northern kingdom. But God, they, and so God had to punish them. And God did punish them when the Babylonians came and conquered the southern kingdom. But look at this, look at this, think with me. God did not allow the Assyrians to conquer the southern kingdom, but he allowed the Babylonians to conquer the southern kingdom. And there's a reason for that. The Assyrians, if they had conquered the southern kingdom, they would have done the same thing. They will take them to the slave markets and sell them as slaves, and then they would be scattered all over the place, or they will plant, you know, a hundred families in this nation, another hundred families in this nation, another hundred families in this nation, so they could not come back as a country anymore. But when the Babylonians came and conquered the southern kingdom, the Babylonians had a different mindset, a different policy towards the people of the nations that they conquered. You know why? Because the Babylon was expanding very rapidly. So they needed capable people. So instead of selling them in the slave market, they decided to make use of the capable people among the conquered nations. And that's why we have a book of Daniel. That's why we read about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Because if these same kids had gone into Assyria, you would have never heard about them. Never heard about them. They would have been sold, thus irrespective of their ability and talents and potential, they would have been sold in the slave markets. But because God did not allow Assyrians to conquer this nation, and waited, waited until Babylonians came on the scene and then some Babylonians and used Babylonians as a stick in his hand. That's what God said in the book of Jeremiah. I am using Babylonians as a stick in my hand to teach you a lesson. So when the Babylonians came, guess what? Just as they were going into captivity, God also gave them a promise. Don't worry, I'm sending you into captivity to teach you a lesson, but... 
you will come back after 70 years. Are you with this? Still with me? Why is that important? Because God promised in Isaiah chapter 7 that when my Emmanuel shows up on the face of the earth, you guys will be in this land. Hallelujah. So they had to come back to this land and reestablish themselves as a nation. Amen. And, uh, 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 and if, if they had gone into Assyria, it would not have happened. They all would have disappeared. So God orchestrated history in such a way that what he promised in Isaiah chapter 7 will literally be fulfilled when Jesus showed up on the face of the earth. And we know the story. 70 years later, Persians were on the scene and God said that this specific, even mentioned him by name in the book of Isaiah and said, this, this is my king. He called him my king, King Cyrus. And said, my king, King Cyrus will send you back to your country. And as soon as Cyrus came on the throne, just as God said, he made a proclamation and said, all these Jewish people can go back to Jerusalem and rebuild your temple and worship your God there. Look how God is orchestrating history for his people. Are you with me? I'm talking about a promise-keeping God. But not only that, they came back. Then the Persians were gone. Persians were gone. But the people of Israel or Palestine at that time they were called were never uprooted again. Never uprooted again. Greek people came, Greek, Alexander killed a lot of people, but did not kill one Jew. That's another prophecy, I don't have time to go there next morning. Don't, did not kill one Jew. I left the people in that land, left the temple alone. And Alexander was a pantheist, and he used to go into all the temple and worship all the gods and, and give offering to all the gods. And that was his outlook, religious outlook. But God had promised in the book of Zechariah that I will not let him come into my temple. And God kept that promise. Alexander couldn't go into Jerusalem temple. God orchestrated history to fulfill his promises. So the, 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 the Greek people left them alone. And then the Greek empire was gone. And the Romans came on the scene. And we know Romans were extremely brutal, brutal, brutal people. So it was a tough time for Israelites, but they were still in the land. Are you with me? It was a tough, tough time for them, but they were still in the land. Why? Because God had promised in Isaiah chapter 7 that when my Emmanuel shows up on the scene, you people will be in this land. Are you getting what I'm going say, sharing with you this morning? Are you coming along with me this morning? Amen. So it doesn't matter who is coming against you, how many times things change, how many ways of COVID appear. It doesn't matter how many times stock market will go, go stock market will go down. You have a God who knows how to take care of you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe that, bless the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. So the first time we see Jesus as a sign, I have so much to share, but I had to finish my message. The first time we see Jesus as a sign is in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Amen. Where God gave an incredible promise, tying the promises, promise over the land 
and the promise of Emmanuel to come, who is Jesus, we know. And last Sunday we talked about that when God changed his name to Jesus as he was born, being born on the face of the earth because uh, he came to become our savior. I'm going to talk about that at the end of my message. The second time we see uh, Jesus is used as a sign is in Matthew chapter 2, verses 6 and uh, 15, where I want to tell you Jesus is a sign of fulfilled uh, prophecies. I already shared so much about uh, a promise-keeping God, so I'm going to skip through this, you know, fast. Because uh, we know the gospel of Matthew was written with the Jewish people in mind. And uh, unlike other gospels, you see a lot of references to Old Testament prophecies in the book of uh, Matthew because it was written for the Jewish people. And Matthew wanted to prove to them that uh, Jesus Christ was the Messiah that they were waiting for. The first two chapters, first two chapters of Matthew alone have five times, five references to prophecies. Just the first two chapters alone, okay, because... Because he was, uh, I am, he was calling upon the prophecies from Isaiah and other prophets about what God told them. Now we know that uh, the Jewish people were waiting for Messiah to show up at that time. But the Messiah that they were waiting for was a political Messiah. A political Messiah. Somebody who will sit on the throne of David and rule the nation of Israel. And what they expected was that when this Messiah come, he will put all those 12 tribes back together. And uh, they will have a nation, you know, and uh, God, they will go into a golden age, what we, what we call the millennium, or a thousand-year reign of Christ, and it will start immediately. That's what they were expecting. But that's not the way things uh, unfolded in history. We know that. In fact, the Jewish people rejected Jesus, you know, at what point? When Jesus refused to be their king. That's when they rejected him. Until then, they were eagerly following him, thinking that he will claim, put a claim for the throne of David. When they found out that he's not going to do that, and, uh, and, uh, 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 and, and they started leaving him, and eventually he died alone on that cross. So, when you read through the Gospel of Matthew, not only do we see prophecies fulfilled at the time of uh, uh, Christmas, when Jesus came into this world, but you also see a lot of uh, uh, prophecies um, about uh, his death, you know, when we come to the end of the Gospel of Matthew. So basically what he was trying to tell the Jewish people of his generation was this. Yes, you expected Messiah to come and do something, which was to put a claim for the throne of David and start his kingdom right away. But that was not God's plan. God had something else. You know, it's in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16 that we see the declaration about the church coming on the scene. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. So it's all of that in the book of Matthew. Amen? And the, and the reason is that Matthew is taking them slowly from their expectations to God's expectations. Are you with me? He's taking them. He's starting with the, what God told them through the prophecies and their expectations, which was Jesus would come on the scene and put a claim to the throne of David and start immediately the millennial reign, and that was their expectations. Then Matthew, ha but that's not what happened in history, right? So Jesus died, and Matthew wrote his gospel about 20 years after Jesus died, and so he had to tell them, show them that, listen, God did not make a mistake. Are you with me? 
God did not make a mistake because things did not turn out the way you expected. Are you with me? See, so this is an issue for us also. I mean, there are a lot of practical things in what I am sharing with you this morning because we also expect things to go a certain way. Amen. My, my mother-in-law, <clears throat> we buried her Thursday and I was, uh, I was telling the people who were here that day, you know, you guys know that I come to church Monday through Friday, every day I'm here, okay, and I leave from my home around 9 o'clock in the morning and uh, she would still be praying. She get up about 7, 7.30 and sing some songs all by herself, then read her Bible and then she will pray until like until 10 o'clock because, you know, she... That's, her, that's where she was in her stage of life. But as I am coming down the steps uh, to come to church, every single day I used to hear the same prayer. And you know what was the prayer? Don't, Lord, don't let me die during COVID. You know, when she passed away, that's, that was my biggest problem. Because she's a woman of God who served God all her life. And Mercy mentioned to you that she brought so many people to Christ. And so many people are in ministry because of her and her husband today. Hundreds of pastors called us from all over the world. We didn't even know this. We didn't even know they had such a huge influence on people. But her prayer was not answered. So even though I'm a pastor, I know Bible, I had to struggle. Because I used to hear every morning she praying, Lord, please don't let me die during COVID. You know, her reason was that she wanted a grand funeral, you know, uh, because she has hundreds and hundreds of family members in this country. So she wanted all of her family members to come and be, um, be able to pay her final respects, which they would have. I'm sure there would be thousands of people here if uh, it was a normal time. So, but it, I struggled with it. How come she was such a praying woman, you know, such a godly woman, and God didn't answer that? Did God make a mistake? See, these are the times sometimes when your faith gets shaken. I mean, my faith is not shaken, of course. But if you are an average Christian, that's the time when your faith gets shaken and you will start to asking questions. How come if you are praying so much, God didn't answer your prayer? See, that's where Matthew comes in. And Matthew is taking the people of Israel from their expectations to God's expectations. Amen. Because when this Emmanuel finally came on the scene in Matthew chapter 1, the angel of God came and said, you must name his son, I mean his name uh, Jesus, because he is coming to take the sins Redeem the people from their sins. And it was not just for the Jewish people. It was for the entire human, human race. And in order for it to be the savior of the entire human race. He couldn't start his millennial kingdom right away. He had to first become the savior of the entire world. And in order to become the savior of the entire world. He had to go to the cross. And he had to die on that cross. And pay for our sins with his precious blood. Only after that he could become our Savior. So uh, Matthew had to take them through this virtual journey 
and bring them to a point. And finally, remember last verses in the Gospel of Matthew? What is the last verse in the Gospel of Matthew? Go ye, therefore, into all the world and preach the gospel and whomsoever believe you will baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, Behold, all power is given to me. And that which meant that uh, this will happen. I have the authority to make this happen. I have the power to make this happen. So look at this. This gospel was written for Jewish people. And he started by, in the beginning of that book, he started by reminding them of the promises of God. But he slowly took them through that, uh, everything that happened in history, in the life of Jesus, including his crucifixion and resurrection. And ends that book which was supposed to be for Jewish people with the message that no, Jesus came to so that his good news can go into all the world. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So, what is Matthew trying to tell us? Matthew is highlighting the prophecies to show that God did not make a mistake. Amen. God was always in charge of history whenever they happened. When Jesus died alone on the cross, God was still in charge of history. When Satan was rejoicing, God was still in charge of history. When Jesus was buried in the sepulcher of Joseph of Arimathea, God was still in charge of history. Why? Because God was orchestrating everything to accomplish his purpose. So sometimes you and I go through a stage in our lives which does not turn out the way we expect. Amen. And we are confused and we have so many questions in our mind. And sometimes we ask questions to God and God, why, 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 why? But I want you to know this morning that it is not a mistake in the sight of God. God is orchestrating things to accomplish his purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had to run. The third thing I want to show you is this from Luke chapter, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 verses 25 through 35. You know the story? I, I hope so. I'm going to just run through this with the story. And that's the story when of uh, Jesus, baby Jesus being taken uh, to Jerusalem temple for circumcision. Amen. And uh, probably circumcision was already done at his home. Okay. And he was taken to uh, Jerusalem temple to be prayed over by a priest. Because that is what we read in the book of Leviticus, right? It does, the book of Leviticus doesn't say that circumcision has to happen there. That's why I explained it that way. Anyway, when you look at, uh, uh, when you look at that story, I want you to read the, actually that story after the service. You can see that when he went there or he was taken into the Jerusalem temple, there were at least two people waiting for them based on the promises of God. Okay, so that's the third thing I want to show you. This morning, Jesus is a sign of the deliverance of Israel. Okay, and, uh, uh, and when you look at uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 30, 25 to 35, I have to run now. Okay, so this is, uh, this is what happens. Sometimes God surprised me. Okay, half the thing I shared with you, I didn't plan to share. So when I am up here, I just start talking and the Holy Spirit just uh, flooding my mind with thoughts. Okay, um, which I enjoy, okay, <laughs> I really enjoy. I'm glad that Holy Spirit is moving in me, okay. Um, 
So when you look at this story, this is something actually I wanted to share with you, but I don't have time now to go into the details of it. Uh, maybe God wanted somebody to hear something this morning. That's the way I look at it when that happens. Okay, so if you look at this, there was a man and a woman waiting for them, right? We know the, about Anna and we also know about a man named Simeon. And, uh, and the Bible says that Simeon was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And Simeon was a man who had directly heard from God that, uh, that he will not die until he see Messiah with his own eyes. Look, chapter 2, verse 34. Okay. Uh, well, if I start reading, then we won't finish. Okay, so Luke chapter 2 and verse 34. That's what God told him. You will not die until you see Messiah with your own eyes. So that, then the Bible says, that day, that day. Come on, say, repeat after me. That day. Talk about God leading your life. Okay. Probably this man got this promise decades ago. And he had no clue when it was going to be fulfilled, how it was going to be fulfilled. But because he was a Holy Spirit filled man, he accepted that promise and waited for that promise. Are you with me? So on that day, which day? The day that promise was going to be fulfilled. That day, the Holy Spirit that was in him prompted him to go to Jerusalem temple. Are you with me? That's how God led your life through Holy Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit prompted him to go to Jerusalem temple that day. Not the day before, that day. That day when he got up and something within him, which was the Holy Spirit that he had, told him that this is the day the promise is going to be fulfilled. Many of you are waiting for promises to be fulfilled in your life. Many of you are waiting for answers in your life. Don't worry. When the answer comes... God will lead you. God will lead you. Amen. God will speak to you. God, he will wake you up. You will not miss your answer. You will not miss your blessing. You will not miss your blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. So God prompted him. God the Holy Spirit prompted him. And he went to Jerusalem temple. And when he went there, here comes a village couple. You don't know who is the Messiah. Probably again, as a Jewish man, he probably thought it's going to be a royal child that he's waiting for. But who showed up there was a village couple, young couple, Joseph and Mary with a baby, shrouded in, in simple clothes. But when he came, when he came, and, uh, and, and so he's looking at every couple bringing their children. And he does not know who this Messiah is. But as soon as Joseph and Mary showed up with Jesus in their hands, the same Holy Spirit that was in him taught him this is the promise for which you waited all these years. Talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So he went forward and took, asked, that, asked for that baby. And Mary gave that baby into his hands. And he started prophesying. And again you can see the same thing. Look at this. This man was waiting for a political messiah. Okay, for decades, maybe waiting for a political messiah. But look at the prophecy that came from his uh, came from his mouth. The prophecy that came from his mouth had nothing about Jesus becoming a messiah at that time. I wanted to go home and read these passages. Okay, 
I will have like a probably I'm going to borrow five more minutes from you guys. Our time is up actually. Okay. But I, I have so much in my mind this morning. Because this man was waiting for a political messiah. Someone who will sit on the throne of David. And finally God prompted him. Go and meet the messiah. This messiah is coming to the temple. And then, then when baby Jesus was born there. This man is led by the Holy Spirit to that couple. And he takes this baby son in his hands. And uh, because he was a prophet. Because he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. He started prophesying over that child. But a prophecy over that child had nothing to do with Jesus becoming a messiah at that time. See, that's what happens when you're led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And even if you're ready with a message, sometimes God changes that whole message. Send you in a different direction. Why? Because God wants to accomplish His purpose through you. <laughs> Hallelujah. You did not become filled with the Holy Spirit to go around saying that, I have the Holy Spirit in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. You do not become filled with the Holy Spirit to go around and show off in front of people. God filled you with the Holy Spirit to accomplish His purposes through you. Hallelujah. And you know what He said in His promise? This child, when he grows up, bring down a lot of people and elevate a lot of people. Which is exactly what He did, right? He went against the religious establishment. Right? When you read through the Gospel of Matthew and Gospel of Luke, you can see he was the harshest critic of Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. So he brought down a lot of people. Then he elevated a lot of humble folks. Like Matthew was a tax collector. Amen. Peter was a fisherman. Amen. John was just a dreamer young man. Had no job at all. And then he elevated all of them to the level of apostles. So that's what Simeon prophesied that day. When baby Jesus showed up in Jerusalem temple. He will bring down a lot of people. He will elevate a lot of people. And then the second thing that he said was. A lot of people will oppose this man. One day when he grew up. Just, isn't that exactly what happened to Jesus? A lot of people opposed him. And the third thing that he prophesied that day was. To Mary and said. A sword will pierce your heart one day when he grew up. And that, isn't that exactly what happened to Mary? Remember she was at the foot of the cross, standing very close to the cross when her firstborn was dying on the cross. A brutal, forgotten, forlorn death. The most brutal form of death you can die. And she was standing there. Witnessing that as an eyewitness. Yes, as sword did pierce her heart that day. So, Jesus at the same was a sign of deliverance to Israel. Which is where, you know, Simeon started his promise. Because well, he was the Messiah. And he was promised to be the Messiah. And Simeon was led to see the Messiah by his own eyes. And the last thing I want to share with you, just going to mention it, then I will sit down, Okay. It's a, Jesus is the sign of salvation of mankind. Matthew chapter 1 verses 20 and 21. We, do, we talked about this last week. Again, I have to touch on the history part of it to make it complete. So, just one minute. 
You know, when you look, read that part of uh, Matthew chapter 1, the story or the background is that Joseph was secretly planning to break the engagement. You know, in King James Bible, New King James Bible, etc. says he is thinking about, you know, getting rid of Mary. But that's not what he was trying. In New Living Translation, it says very clearly he was trying to secretly break the engagement. Can you imagine you are engaged to a woman and, uh, and somebody come and tell you she is pregnant? Before your marriage, that's where Joseph was, right? So he was trying. We have talked about this in the past, and uh, so he decided to break that engagement. And then he was pondering on that. That night, God sent an angel to speak to Joseph through a dream. And uh, in that dream, this angel told Joseph that, "Do not be hesitant to receive Mary as your wife." Because what is growing up in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then explain to him the purpose. It is the purpose that allowed him to accept Mary. Amen. And God made clear the purpose of what is going on. And then this angel told him that he is coming into this world to deliver his people from their sins. And then the finally... What uh, the angel did was gave him the right to name that baby. Because I told you, according to the Jewish culture, the father has to name the baby. But the angel recommended a name. And given, gave him a name in the dream and said, uh, Therefore, to reflect the purpose of his birth, you should call him angel. I mean, call him Jesus. Jesus. Amen. And once he understood the purpose of the birth of this child, or this child, his wife, or future wife was carrying. He was ready to accept Mary and stayed with her. And uh, accepted her, accepted her, accepted this child. And he brought up this child in this world. So why? Only because he knew the sign, the purpose of this pregnancy was to bring a savior of mankind into this world. So Jesus Christ... So Jesus Christ is a sign. Even when at his birth, he was a sign. Even before his birth, he was a sign. And after his death and uh, burial and resurrection, he has the sign. Oh, I wish I had a time, more time. But I had to stop right there. Stand up with me all over this place. I'm just going to swallow the rest of my message. Remember when Jesus was on earth? When the Jewish people questioned him again and again, when I say Jewish, Jewish, you know, today it sounds bad, but he was a Jewish man. He was really a part of the Jewish community. That's why I'm saying that. They came and asked him, what, what sign will you show, give us that you came from God? And when they asked that question, what was the sign that he gave them? He said, you will only have one sign. That's a sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. That will be your sign. So you know what is our sign today? 
Amen. We, we learn spiritual lessons from uh, Isaiah. We learn spiritual lessons from Gospels. But you know what is our sign? Why do we believe in Jesus? Because just as he said, just as he prophesied, he was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. Amen. He accomplished his purpose. He died on the cross. Then he was buried in that sepulcher. And he was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And come Sunday morning, he rose up. So Jesus Christ is more than a baby in a manger. He is my risen, risen savior. Hallelujah. I worship him today. Not as a baby in a manger. But as my risen savior. Because he went to the cross to deliver me from my sin. Just as the angel told Matthew. And I want to tell you. That he went to the cross to deliver you from your sins also. If there, is, if there is anyone who has not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior yet, this is the best opportunity now that you know why he came into this world. Close your eyes all over this place with me. I know the Spirit of God is moving in this place. I can sense, I can sense the, the Holy Spirit moving in this place. And if there is anyone in this audience this morning, who has not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior yet. This is the golden opportunity for you because he came for you. He came for you. He came to deliver you from your sins, which he did when he died on the cross. And if you are ready to accept him as your Savior, as a symbol of that, you can slip up your hands in the presence of God and I'll be glad to pray with you. Amen. I know it's mostly our members, but uh, sometimes on Sundays we have visitors here. And if there is anyone here who has not accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you would like to invite Jesus into your life, you can slip up your hands and I will pray with you. Amen. And I want to extend that same invitation to all the people who are watching us online this morning and uh, will be watching us for the rest of the week. I want to extend that same invitation to you. Because now that you know that Jesus came into this world to be your savior, to take you out of your sin, to bring an end to your sin, in a sinful lifestyle, amen, you can invite Jesus into your heart and he will come into your life and he will make you his child. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful word that we heard this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for flowing through me and inspiring me, even as I was sharing this word and all the thoughts and all the insights that uh, came out because of you, Holy Spirit, not because I prepared them, but because of you. And we yield ourselves into your hands. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are willing to give us your only begotten Son so that he can become our Savior. Help us to maintain a close relationship with the, the Savior of God. Help us to walk with him. Help us to walk closer with him. Help us to learn from him on a daily basis. Help us to have fellowship with him on a daily basis, not only in the Christmas season, but all through the year of Father, so that we can grow spiritually. We can grow spiritually to maturity in our lives of Father. 
And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work in us. In Jesus' precious name we pray.